It's the Thought Eater, Thought Eater, Thought Eater RPG Show. It's the Thought Eater, Thought Eater, Thought Eater RPG Show. We've got blogs! Well, that's it. at the map of the week. Adventures in art! Le Chadron Comatique! Oui, oui! It's the Thought Eater, Thought Eater, Thought Eater RPG Show. It's the Thought Eater RPG Show. Welcome to the Thought Eater Thought Pass. <laughs> happy birthday, Froth. This is Jim here. Wishing you a happy birthday. Enjoy your meatloaf. <laughs> Enjoy your day off. Stay safe. And uh, we'll get through this. Take care. Bye. Hey, it's BJ. Just wanted to say happy birthday. Uh, yeah, I'm born in 1975. Rock on. <laughs> Hope you have a good one. Hey, Froth. Spencer here. Yeah, from one of those god-awful podcasts you can't stomach listening to. Uh, I just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. And, um, wow, 46 I had no idea you were such a spring chicken. Um, hope you had a great day, and uh, thanks for all the great work you do. Uh, voices, that's a great topic, but Sean Connery, I know it's a great voice, but it's an interesting choice, because whether he's playing an Irishman in The Untouchables, a Russian in Hunt for Red October, or a Spaniard in Highlander, it's all the same voice, isn't it, Junior? What is up, everybody? It is Froth here, Thought Eater Podcast, Thought Eater Blog. I'm still, I still laugh. I've listened to that Spencer message a few times if I've been putting this together. Spencer from Keep Off the Borderlands, and it still makes me laugh with the little Junior at the end. <laughs> Sean Connery. Making reference to last week's final topic here on the Hump Day Show where I was talking about... No, it wasn't the Hump Day Show. Five Minute Friday. Talking about coming up with voices, ideas to come up with voices for your NPCs. And uh, I sure appreciate the birthday wishes there from Spencer, BJ, and Mr. Yoder. Yes, last week was my birthday. Actually, last Friday. Yes, I had my birthday meatloaf, although there's a little story to that. The uh, the little element in my oven broke right as they were starting to cook my meatloaf, believe it or not. They went to preheat. My wife and daughter had put together the meatloaf, just kind of glistening and gleaming with ketchup all over, the, all over it, and um, preheated the oven, but it wasn't heating up. So a neighbor came through. They took the meatloaf to a neighbor's, cooked it up over there, and brought it back. So it was like rain, sleet, or it was like last year, despite COVID, I got my meatloaf. You know, there's there's certain things that just have to happen. So anyway, appreciate the birthday wishes. And then Spencer making reference to podcasts I can't stand listening to. That of course, whenever I shout out Rob C from Down in a Heap. I say one of the only podcasts that I can stand listening to down in a heap. That's not a reference to the legendary Anchorites podcasting here on Anchor. That's more a reference to the traditional D&D &D RPG podcasts. 
that are all filler and no sustenance. No meatloaf, you know what I mean? There's no meatloaf, so... Anyway, if you're a new listener, you're probably like, what have I gotten myself into? Well, it's the Hump Day RPG Show, a weekly show. I'm your host, Froth. I discuss cool stuff that I spotted around the internet over the week. Blogs, zines, free stuff, maps, just a bunch of cool stuff in the DIY RPG space. I talk about it here on the podcast, and I put it, links up to everything over at the Thought Eater blog. Just Google Thought Eater blog, and you'll be able to find it. And if you're a blogger, slap it on your blog roll. Go ahead and do it. Have a few more call-ins to get to. Um, so let's see. Where should we start? I think I've got some more stuff from BJ. Let's listen to that. Hey, Froth, BJ. Um I was just going back, finally getting to go back and listen to the Wednesday show, and um, I haven't made it all the way through yet, but uh, I think it was Goblin's Henchman talking about sort of the, the, the idea and where we're headed technologically. If you've got a map and it has sort of embedded links that gives you your encounters, your flavor text, your description of the room and things like that, that's pretty much what Fantasy Grounds does now. Um, I know Fantasy Grounds isn't always the most accessible because there's an upfront cost, at least for the DM a lot of people, I think, prefer uh, Roll20 and other stuff like that. But I use Fantasy Grounds for my online uh, games. And, yeah, it, it does that. If you buy a module, typically if you're using one of their native rule sets like 5e or Pathfinder, all that stuff will come preloaded. So you want to run one of the published modules, it's in there. But you can also you can also import your own um, image and then lay a grid over it and, and build it out yourself for a homebrew or, or if you want to change stuff from, you know, maybe it's preloaded, but you want to change things, change the encounters, the creatures or something about it, you can do that as well. So it's got a lot of flexibility, but there is kind of an upfront cost that a lot of people uh, find not to their liking for that. But that would be nice if it was something like a PDF that you could just open in Adobe or, a, you know, a an application that pretty much everybody has standard on their computer without having to uh, purchase different software or, or a subscription to a, a web platform. So I think I think that was one thing Goblin Henchman was hitting on, maybe using it in, in Adobe or Excel. That would be really cool to, to bypass the need for any kind of specialized virtual tabletop and just be able to do it with the normal software that we always use, all of us probably have on our, our, our uh, at least on our laptops and our desktops. BJ, again there, from the Arcane Alienist podcast, the Arcane Alienist. Some more thoughts on this innovation in gaming subject that's been coming up over the last few weeks. BJ, I appreciate that, talking about some of the functionality uh, with different virtual tabletops there. And yeah, as far as the PDF goes, it's like I mentioned, I believe Rob Conley's City State of the Invincible Overlords have that kind of hover over functionality, which is really nice when you're talking about something that complicated and complex. You know, it seems like for certain things, it'd be even more effective. And city adventures like that are one of them, where there's just, a, you know, hundreds of shops or dozens and dozens of shops 
You're trying to flip around and be like, okay, where's X3? Okay, where's B24? Okay, what road am I on? That's no fun. That's no fun. You don't want to be flustered when you're GMing. That's no fun, flipping around through a bunch of books. It's just being able to hover over the shop and be like, oh, that's the candlestick maker right there. So anyway, good to hear from you. Next, I got a call in from Jim Yoder. Talking about the final topic from last week, which is an interesting one. Talking about co the common language in D&D and how it behaves less like an actual real-world language and more like a virus. Let's hear it from Jim. Hey, Froth, it's me again. I wanted to let you know the beginning of your final topic about the common language when you said common language is a virus. And my first thought was Pontypool. I wonder if he's ever seen Pontypool. <laughs> so glad I'm not the only person. I love that movie. I've seen it a few times. I love it when somebody takes an established and, let's admit it, worn out genre such as zombie movies and does something new and exciting. Uh, Train to Busan was amazing because of the, well, the emotional stuff in there and uh zombies on a train so there you have it i'll talk to you later take care bye good to hear again from mr yoder and yes pontypool it was an interesting movie and interesting horror movie but i it, i think i really need to read the book to get the full deal on that because it was kind of like Somewhere in watching it, I haven't watched it, I only watched it once, but somewhere in watching it, I kind of lost the thread, like it felt like I was missing something. But that might be intentional due to how everything just kind of careens out of control with language and everything. Because there are some movies where they deliberately kind of fall apart narratively and you're left to kind of try to pick up the pieces. The best movie like that is Primer, where the two guys create a time machine in their garage and all the different, you can follow it for a while, but then all of the narrative threads kind of mix and match and you, it's unclear what's going on. And I've even seen websites of people trying to follow all the threads and unravel it but it really becomes almost like a meditation on the, uh, what would you call it? Uh, all the contradictions and, and dangers of time travel. There's a word I'm looking for that I'm not going to be able to find. Uh, yep, brain's not going to do it. Brain's not going to find it. Just all the complications and everything. Um, what is the word? Come on, brain. Is it in there? It's not contradictions. It's not complications. No, it's not there. <laughs> it is not there. It is not there. The word is not there. <laughs> oh, boy. I got a message from Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast, who has forgotten more about RPGs than Froth will ever know. 
about several of the topics from last week's show. Let's listen to that. Okay, a couple more messages. I had an Atari 2600, and then we jumped up to the, I think the next system I had real, real was computers, was the Commodore 64. But Atari had some cool games. We had Adventure. Remember Adventure? That was kind of like D&D. We had Pitfall. Pitfall was cool. Haunted House. Is Call of Cthulhu the Holy Candle the Haunted House? If, if you even remember any of these games. <laughs> um, yeah, these old systems or something. I have fond memories, and I think about buying an emulator now and then, and then I think to myself, no, it's probably better if they just live on in my memory. As far as these Guild go and Haven goes, there's a pretty good review of, of these Guild and the rules and, and all that over on one of the few podcasts you can stand to listen to. Hint, hint. I do wonder how many people play Morkborg as opposed to just buy it and own the stuff and you know, use this coffee table book. Makes you wonder. I don't see where there's a lot of long-term play in that game. But that's just me. And, and, and I do own it. I, I did buy it. So, as far as your final topic goes, I, I see you've cleverly avoided the pit trap of alignment languages. Which, also alignment languages being universally known by everywhere of certain alignments. Right? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting idea there with common. You see that trope though a lot in science fiction too though where you know like cheap science fiction where everybody speaks english right it, well except for the nazis they speak with british accents but yeah typically you, you have a lot of movies where you have interstellar civilizations and all and everybody's speaking english which i realize is so the audience understands but yeah it's pretty ridiculous sorry about that last part where maddie was squeaking his ball uh maddie's my little He's my little Kelpie dog. My he's like a he's a he's a mix, but he's um like the dog in Mad Max mixed with something else. But um yeah he you know ever since we fixed him he just loves squeaky balls. I think he misses something, but he's a good guy. Anyhow, talk to you later. Paradox, paradox was the word. The different paradoxes of time travel. Ugh. Lots of stuff to unpack there with everything Jason's talking about. I think I'll focus on the Atari. Yeah, I remember Pitfall. Pitfall was maybe the greatest of the Atari games. Am I wrong? I mean, I certainly remember things like Yar's Revenge. Uh, and, and the other games you mentioned. I'm not sure if I had Haunted House, but we had Adventure. That wasn't one of the better games. You know what was good was the Star Wars... You know, I don't know if they called it the Battle of Hoth, where you're in the little, you're fighting the walkers, like from the beginning of Empire Strikes Back. There was a cool Atari game where you're in the little ship, you know, the little ships, and you are flying around trying to take down the walkers. I don't know the names of stuff to be able to say them really well for Star Wars. Are they At-Ats? Or is that something else? Whatever the big walkers are. And you fly around it, but you have to hit them in the sweet spot to be able to kill them. But that was a fun game. Um, Pitfall, though. That might have been the best. Best one I can remember. But anyway, good to hear from you. Good to hear some of the, you know, a lot of the stuff Jason's talking about were topics from last week. 
And then finally, I got one more call. If you can't tell, I have not gotten my microphone fixed. Back on the phone for this week. Did not have time to do anything this week. I'm training for a different position in the same comp, you know, within the same company. So I've been really busy. I've had a lot of other stuff going on. Trying to prepare for a vacation. Hopefully, it will happen at the end of May. Uh, so as far as like trying to tinker with these programs and, and all that, it's not happening right now. If you love the show, you'll just have to deal with the, the phone quality here for a, for a little while longer. But I got a call from Alone in the Labyrinth about that. Hey, Froth, how you doing, mate? This is Safinio from Alone in the Labyrinth, just at the start of your uh, podcast. Uh, technical problems. Mike seems to work on one app, but not on another. Something that I did during my games was that I was talking to my mic. To me, it sounded fine, but the players online couldn't hear me. And I think it was because um, uh, I was set up for my uh kind of the internal mic on the laptop to pick up what i was saying uh as opposed to the external mic i was using might be what's going on here like check your audio preferences for your for your browser or whatever you're recording anchor through on your laptop i don't know if it's a separate app or not worth looking into that's all keep up the good work bye Great to hear there from Safino from Alone in the Labyrinth. Talented creator right there, Safino. Good to hear from you. And I appreciate you trying to help me out. I've tried everything. Trust me, I've tried everything. None of it makes any sense. I think it really comes down to an issue with Anchor. Because I verified that it's not my microphone. So it doesn't do it on any other program. And then sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't on Anchor. I think it kind of, you know, the thing with Anchor is it's great, it's free, they do a lot of things for you, but it's not like pro, you know, like a pro studio, you know, podcast studio or anything like that. It's made for people like Froth <laughs> to try to make it easy. But there's not a lot of, uh, you know, there's not a lot of options there. So I've tried working with the microphone that's just built into the laptop. I've even tried with my old plug-in microphone that I used to use for Counter-Strike and stuff a decade ago. And it's something to do with the actual program. So anyway, um, yeah. But anyway, we're going to get into the show now. No interview this week. I was too busy over the weekend. Not sure I'm going to do one next week either. I've just got a lot going on right now, especially with work. I just haven't had a ton of time. I barely had enough time to do this. And if it really wasn't for awesome listeners like yourselves and awesome folks backing me on Patreon, I might have even skipped this week because it was just such a busy week. But I can't do that when I've got folks backing me at patreon.com forward slash thought eater. Only a dollar a month. Shout out to all my supporters over there. Y'all rock. Y'all encourage me to keep going, even when I'm having one of those weeks. So let's get into the maps. Maps of the week. All right, let's look at some cool map stuff. Now, if you remember last week, if you listen to last week's show, 
I was talking about Prismatic Wasteland. I had this great idea that they shared on Twitter on using mall maps, you know, those you are here mall maps, to improvise mega dungeons. And I love that idea. And they've elaborated that, elaborated on that idea over at their blog, prismaticwasteland.com. So this is a much more detailed and it's got many more um, mall maps and stuff like that. So it's an article called Mega Dungeon Malls and Collaborative Caverns. And so if you want to see more about that malls as mega dungeon idea, which is just one of those ideas where it's like, man, that's such a, it's a great idea, but it's almost like an idea. Someone should have had that idea before, you know, because it's just a really good idea, but I'd never seen it anywhere else. So it's, it comes from Prismatic Wasteland. So anyway, check that out. Prismaticwasteland.com, mega dungeon malls and collaborative caverns. Then I've shared the map that launched a thousand, no, not a thousand, launched hundreds of thousands of campaigns that keep on the borderlands. This is from over at OSR Grimoire, Paleologos, excellent blog, excellent, excellent blog. They did a post called B2, the keep, that is kind of a deep dive into, yep, the keep on the borderlands. So it's got tons of links, alternate maps that people have made over the years of the keep, details into the organizational breakdown. Uh, it's really just a celebration of that iconic map. So I love that. Loved it. Uh, it just link after link. Paleo Logos does a great job over there. They were just celebrating B1 a few weeks ago mentioned that numerous times and now maybe maybe we're going to see some more posts on b2 which would be great which would be great i'm here for it i'm here for it and then finally from over at the cartographers guild uh this one is called la cote d'entele now they mention in their post that this might have some kind of french puns and stuff like that i'm not going to get the puns because i don't speak french this might be good for um uh, for Evelyn M, I'm sure Evelyn would be able to get all these if there are, in fact, some sort of puns on this. But the map is gorgeous. Map is gorgeous. It is uh, almost like a um, you know classic map where you've got the little uh, sea monsters and stuff out in the water, and uh, kind of a, a coastline with with all sorts of different interesting buildings. It lo it just screams run a campaign on me. So check that out. That is from over at the Cartographer's Guild. Hump Day Blogorama. Just a quick reminder. Remember that all the links that I mentioned are over at the Thought Eater blog. I, I do a companion blog post for all the Hump Day shows. And uh, if you're listening to this weeks after it's come out, just make sure you're looking at the desktop version of the Thought Eater blog. It's got all the subjects, you know, the, um, uh, you can search by date or you can just click on the hump day blogorama topic. Even though the show's the RPG hump day RPG show now, but you see a hump day tag there, click that and it'll take you to all the different hump day shows and you can match it up with the, uh, with the podcast. So 
just re- just a reminder that all this stuff is archived for you so you don't have to try to write it down or remember it. All right, so let's talk about some blog stuff. <clears throat> Starting over at belloflostsouls.net from J.R. Zambrano, some bad news, depending on your perspective, the D&D movie has been delayed until 2023, pushing it way back. Trouble is brewing for the D&D movie as production delays hit home, pushing the release date back another year to 2023. Tentative date of March 3rd, 2023. The news comes amid a slew of other release date changes from Paramount, including the new Star Trek and Mission Impossible movies. Stuff getting pushed back because of COVID and the whole, you know, uncertainty of everything. So, anyway, they had some, they had kind of gotten a good team working together on the D&D movie. And what sometimes happens when things get pushed back like this, if they have not started filming, if they had not, you know, sometimes people have other jobs, they, have, they t- take other, you know, they take other jobs, it becomes harder to make it happen. So we'll see what happens, we'll be following along with that. We've got enough time to follow along with it, that's for sure. Alex Meehan, blogging over at Dicebreaker, dicebreaker dicebreaker.com. This looks really cool. Create and play RPGs online using the video game-inspired platform One More Multiverse. Now, this is a free-to-play service that enables players and designers to use an accessible online interface to run tabletop RPG games and create homebrew. What's really interesting about it, though, is it's inspired by classic video game RPGs. So the interface looks like something like from an old Final Fantasy game or something like that. It's not trying to be 3D, in other words. It's like a flat, a flat image. It's not like the top-down look down at the map that everybody's used to. So I don't know how this is going to develop exactly, um, but I really think that there's something to the look of it, and it could be pretty cool. So we'll see how this all shakes out. It's in closed beta right now with a full release set for third quarter 2021. So anyway, I kind of like it. I haven't even watched the video for it. Yeah, it's just like I was saying, much like Final Fantasy or so many other games, where it's like a 2D kind of image. But so like a tabletop for, uh, you know, a a VTT with like that 2D kind of classic video game image. Really good idea if it ends up playable and and everything and works well. Um, Something different. All right, what else I got for you? A Night at the Opera. I'm enjoying this blog. I mentioned, I think, last week or a couple weeks ago, nightattheopera.blogspot.com. They did a great article, How Do You Handle the Inside of a Hex? You know how to handle a hex. That's a six-mile hex. That's a five-mile hex. It's a swamp hex. You're a little slower going through it. Ah, there's a road through this hex. You cruise right through it. What about the insides of the hex? 
What about the innards of the hex? And so this is a, a substantial article going into a lot of detail on different perspectives and everything out there and how you can handle it. If you want to think deeply about hexes and what's inside them, go to night at the Cool article. Uh, over at the Traveler blog, traveler-ct.blogspot.com. Thought I'd mention this one because they're talking about other blogs. And they list a bunch of different Traveler blogs. So if you're into Traveler, you probably know about a few of these that are out there, like the Zodani base and all that stuff. But you might not be aware of some of these other ones. Uh, in fact, someone else even mentioned their, you know, left a post about their Traveler blog. So at least half a dozen, maybe maybe eight or nine traveler blogs all kind of listed over there. If you're a fan of traveler and you want to get in on the fun and figure out, you know, check out some of these other blogs doing traveler content, go and check that out. I like when people share other people's stuff. All right, the Tabletop Almanac, the tabletopalmanac.wordpress.com. They've got a review. Skay over there has a review. It might be Sky. Skay or Sky is reviewing Dune, Adventures in the Imperium from Modifius. i got to say, this has an awesome cover. And this was one of the most anticipated games of the last couple of years. Uh, it got pushed back. I'm not sure if it got pushed back due to the movie getting pushed back or, or what. But the game did get pushed back for a while. But it is out now. And so you've got a little bit of a review here, kind of an overview of what it's all about. And a killer-looking cover. Killer-looking cover. Dune Adventures in the Imperium. Check that out over at the tabletopalmanac.wordpress.com. Have they leaked who's playing Fade yet? Talk about the best-kept secret in Hollywood. All right. Fabled Lands. Fabledlands.blogspot.com. Let's see here. This is Dave Morris's blog, a legend in the field of game books, solo game books. And they put up a post called Everything You Want to you, Everything You Always Wanted to Know About Game Books. And it is a video from back in 2018 at Manticon uh, with uh, with Dave and a number of other creators. Jamie Thompson and Paul Mason participating in a panel where they go into detail about the fighting fantasy books. Um, just a bunch, like an almost two hour conversation uh, talking about the history and development of game books. And so <clears throat> if you're into solo gaming, if you played some of these when you were a kid, if you still love them. I think you should check that out. That's a fablelands.blogspot.com. Cool video on the, the history, everything you wanted to know about game books. And then finally, Chiquita Fajita. Make sure I'm going in order here. Yeah, Chiquita Fajita. Why you should get into RPG LATAM. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, the LATAM jam, the Latin American jam latinx jam that was going on over at itch chiquita fajita says the rpg latin community is literally my favorite group of hobbyists and players and designers 
all creative, thoughtful, and sincere. Now, the jam has ended. It ended on April 11th, but all of the submissions and stuff, I've got a link uh, for that for folks to check out. Some are pay, some are free. But Shakita also mentions that uh, one of the creators, Tiago Rolum, has been hospitalized with COVID-19 and members have come together with a bundle on itch to help cover the costs of their hospital stay. So I thought I would mention that, uh, a way to help people in the community. And so you can check out that bundle and I've got a link to that as well. So, uh, unfortunately, you know, not all great news, you know, um, but still the good news is there is a way that you can help somebody. And it looks like there's all kinds of cool stuff going on with the, uh, with that bundle, uh, a number of, um, pamphlet zines, all kinds of stuff. So be sure and check that out. Grab some cool stuff while you're doing some good to help other people. Chiquita also, um, shows off some of the, uh, of their favorite products that are in the jam uh, to help out Tiago Rolum. And that includes things like the Backpack, the Backpack and Dream pamphlet game, Beyond the Borderlands, that's come up a few times, Gnarled Monster recently, and a game called Carapace. So, so anyway, a lot of cool stuff. So check that out. Check out both the jam and check out the um, the bundle to help Tiago Rolum. Random tables. Over twelve thousand dollars that has raised so far for Tiago Rolum. So be sure and check that out. All right, random tables. I'm doing a twofer from over at the Rand Roll site. Duncan Thompson does the Rand Roll blog, focused entirely on random encounters, random tables, randroll.com, mainly for 5e, and they've got kind of a couple of tables that go together. One is Sea Encounters, and then they also have Underwater Encounter Combat Terrain, Treasures, and Complications. So use this all together, and you've got yourself... A bunch of good stuff that you can use for under, underwater encounters for 5e. Now the sea encounter tables, not much to them. It's just like the monsters you might encounter. But it does at least combine all of the different monsters from all of the different source books and everything else. And it breaks them down into level. Much like something you might find, you know, in the old school DMG... I mean, the old school uh, monster manuals and stuff like that. So let's say we're a set, there's a seventh level party, somewhere between levels five and ten. And I want to devise an encounter so I can use this. And uh, so there's a coven of three sea hags. And then I can go to the other table and I can talk about where we want to have this encounter. What's the terrain? Where do they encounter the sea hags? Uh, we're going to say, uh, well, it's going to be underwater. 
and uh, let's see. Grasping seaweed in the area acts as an entangle spell. So there's some, you know, we're in like maybe like an underground, you know, underwater area filled with a seaweed that also will try to tangle you and try to grab you while you're fighting. And then there's some uh, minor treasures tied to the underwater, uh, such as D6 pearls or. Uh, 2d6 holy symbols of various sea deities. And then some underwater complications. Uh, what's a complication? Uh, there's a wreck here, or an ancient sunken settlement. So you get the idea. You put it all together, and whether you're rolling on them or just using them for inspiration, these can give you some good ideas for some underwater encounters. For 5e, or really anything, it's just some of the monsters might be 5e specific. So check that out. Zine Club. Oh, a few zine things that I spotted over the week. One, I think I saw this person advertising this on Reddit. Not sure, but Pitch Black Lair has a new printable zine, eight-page minty zine, mini zine. Uh, that can be printed and folded, called the Three Entities at the Flower Farm. And they have some other kind of interesting-looking stuff, too. Now, this one is over at Itch, and it is pay-what-you-want, so if you like it, be sure and cough up a few bucks for them. But anyway, uh, good-looking stuff from Pitch, Back, Pitch Black Lair, and as they were advertising this, I thought I'd give them a shout-out. So, the Three Entities at the Flower Farm. Let's see what the other things they've got are. They've got other zines. Dr. Angus McDee's collection of birds. Their stuff has kind of a pastoral and fae sort of vibe that you might respond to. Pitch Black Lair. Good, look, good looking stuff from them. Then over at the Rolling Boxcars blog, Modoc31 always does good work over at Rolling Boxcars. I just had Tyler Crumrine on the show last week, and they're reviewing Tyler Crumrine's Beak, Feather, and Bone map labeling game that we discussed last week. Uh, again, available in PDF and print over at Itch. Sounded really cool when Tyler was talking about it, so another review over there, over at Rolling Box Cars. So check that out. Shout out to Tyler. Shout out to Modoc. Shout out to the whole scene. Over at Vaults of Varn, Leo Hunt does the Vaults of Varn zine. We've got rave reviews from Ray Otis recently that I shared here on the program. They are sharing the cover for Vaults of Varn number three, and I really dig it. Really dig it. And so kind of a little preview of what's coming in number three of the Vaults of Varn zine. So be sure and check that out. It's at vaultsofvarn.com. Finally, on the zines, this is kind of a retrospective look, going back at and taking a look at the Different Worlds magazine that was put out by Chaosium, kind of the Chaosium House magazine, as uh, you know, as Dragon was to TSR, so was Different Worlds to Chaosium. And this is a series that James Malashevsky has been doing over at Grognardia, reading through the Different Worlds magazines. This one's issue 10. But you can follow the labels and go back and, and see what's in 
the, the other ones of these. And some of these might have some stuff that uh, it, you know seems really collectible to you. You might uh, maybe check out eBay or something else to have a look. And uh, so if you want to read through what was going on in Chaosium's sort of dragon magazine, check this, this series that's going on over at Grognardia. Free stuff. Okay, let's see what we got with the free stuff. A couple of glog-related things. Starting over at the Archon's Court blog, Luther Gutekunst over there, uh, mentioning a couple of free glog, what would you call them, glog hacks, glogish sorts of games, Enthusiastic Skeleton Boys, and Yag. And they've got links up to check those out. I may have mentioned those before, way back. But if you miss them, then now you can download them. A couple of gloggish games. And then over at the Whose Measure God Could Not Take blog, whosemeasure.blogspot.com, Flocks over there mentions that at their Glog Discord server, they have put together a community Glog hex crawl called Sungrave. And this is actually laid out in Excel format, spreadsheet for that. So uh, they say to keep a tight focus on the project, they selected a particular glog hack. That's what you'd call them. Not a glog game, not a gloggish game, a glog hack. Marrow. So that's another one you can download for free while you're at it. Get into the glog stuff and then check out that free community hex crawl, Sungrave. Over at RPG.net, I, I don't know how, I, it must have been on Facebook or somewhere. I still do follow a couple of 4th edition groups, 4th edition D&D. Because I actually like 4th edition. Now I hate quite a bit of it, and cut quite a bit of it right out. Skill challenges, right out. Um, the whole magic item treadmill, cut that right out. I use the uh, alternate inherent bonus rule, which is much like what 5e ended up doing with the, um, uh, what do they call it? Not inspiration, but proficiency bonus. You know how you get a little bit better over time? Well, that's the way they should have, you know, that's the way the alternate inherent bonus rule works for fourth edition instead of being like, you constantly got to find more magic items to kind of keep getting better and better, you have the proficiency bonus sort of system. And then you can just worry about making the magic items fun instead of being like a thing that has to be bought, a thing that has to happen uh, to keep up with the math of the game. Anyway, lots of other things I cut out too. But there are things I like about 4E. And so someone was talking about this. Introducing Orcus, a 4th edition retro clone. Not so easy to clone 4E because they did not publish under the open gaming license. They had their kind of own thing that was more restrictive and led to a dearth, a dearth of third-party products for 4E. That and a lot of people did not respond to the game. Um, but someone over there trying to clone it, saying Glorian over there. And now I have not looked... I have not looked through this yet, I'll be honest, but they say Orcus is their attempt to cobble together the 4E rule set from the existing SRDs for 3.5, 5E, 13th Age, and Pathfinder 1 and 2. So, 
something interesting to maybe look at and see how close they get. I'm going to check it out later. They're still working on it. But so far they have the basic rules, some classes and powers stuff. And, and anyway, so Orcus. Orcus, a work in progress, 4th edition retro clone. Lapidary Ossuary, lapidaryossuary.blogspot.com. Can't remember if I mentioned this before. Linden over there did four one-page dungeons, the Seasons of Penrod, from their campaign, their own campaign setting. So you've got four one-page dungeons, all with uh, dice and logos maps. Might have mentioned this one before, but... Um, couldn't remember if I did, and when I scrolled back, it didn't seem like I had. So, so anyway, four one-page dungeons from Linden over at Lapidary Ossuary. And what else on the free stuff? Over the Angry GM. They've got a free introductory RPG module called the Fall of Silver Pine Watch. It's the tie-in module for their book, Angry, Game Angry, How to RPG the Angry Way. The Angry GM... Quite a popular RPG blog. And The Fall of Silver Pine Watch is a is downloadable for free. An introductory module for three to five players, specifically designed to help inexperienced GMs hone their skills. Check that out. That's at theangrygm.com. Over at the Frugal GM, a free GM resource, something different, Pixabay. A collection of free images and royalty-free images. And, you know, stuff for you to use. Pixabay. If you're, always, if you're trying to find, if you're like Froth, you're no artist. You're no artist. <laughs> uh, anyway. This might be something worth looking at. A way to find free images and royalty-free images that you can use. That's at Pixabay. And it's from frugalgm.com. Finally, at Sorcerer Under Mountain blog, sorcererundermountain.d101games.com, they do open quest, and they uh, post that they're pleased to say that the free PDF version of the Open Quest Third Edition Quick Start is now available. The Lost Outpost. So uh, Newt Newport over there has put up the. Quick start looks like it comes with uh, a rundown of characters, quick rules, combat, and an introductory adventure. And it's even got six pre-made characters in there. So the Lost Outpost, something to download for free and, and learn how to play OpenQuest. The final topic. All right, for the final topic, final topic. I've been seeing a lot of people posting this RPG DNA. Kind of like a little meme or thing going around, a little hashtag. RPG DNA, where people are posting four games that kind of were formative for their RPG experience, their own personal experience in the RPG hobby. And so some of the stuff I may have, I'm sure I've mentioned Numerous times before, but it got me thinking about my RPG DNA. You know, everybody's kind of got their own RPG DNA. It is true that I think most people probably have a little D&D in there. Uh, I posted up a uh, link to Tim Knight from Hero Press. Their, uh, their RPG DNA. Let's see which ones that they said again. I can't remember. 
They've got Holmes Basic, the Arduin Grimoire, Villains and Vigilantes, and Traveler. So good, good jeans. Good jeans. <laughs> For me, I've been getting jealous seeing a lot of people putting up their RPG DNA. Because I started gaming when I was really young. Too young to buy my own stuff. Too young to really grasp that much about the hobby altogether. Most of the my awareness of of a lot of games really came from just looking through Dragon magazines and stuff, never getting to play them until I was older, or even getting to read them until I was older. But I've mentioned it before. We started gaming because my friend's brother had some stuff, and that was three games that they had. They had the old Judge Dredd, RPG, which I guess is Games Workshop at that time. They had, and I think they had that mainly because we also had some of the Judge Dredd comics, or maybe not. There weren't so much comics as it was, as it was uh, like a magazine. Uh, what is it, 300 AD or, th or 3000 AD? God, something wrong with my brain today, but. But we, we enjoyed reading those Judge Dredd comics. I liked the whole thing. That was before the, you know, the terrible um, Sylvester Stallone movie or anything. Uh, but it was right around the time when Anthrax did the song, I Am The Law. Does anybody remember that? The Judge Dredd song? Um. Right around that time, or maybe a little bit before, when there was kind of a popularity for, for Judge Dredd. Um, but anyway, had that game, but we never I don't remember ever actually playing it. I remember reading it. I remember reading the rules, but I don't have any real memory of playing it. Maybe we did, and it just didn't stick in my head. But the other two, we absolutely loved. First edition AD&D, and... Marvel Superheroes. TSR's Marvel Superheroes. Those games, more than anything, were really my, my DNA, those two. Now, I've said before, I wish, I find myself wishing we had had BX as opposed to first edition AD&D. Because it is, even now, people talk about how inscrutable and convoluted it can be to try to play that game. Whereas BX's rules have remained clear, concise, and pretty much perfect for an old-school D&D experience for decades. Um, so we were making up a lot of rules as we went along. A lot of Monty Hall campaigns. Uh, I remember distinctly times where, you know, we only had the one set of books, so sometimes... Some people would have the books for a night. Some would have them for another night. A couple of guys would go off. They'd have the books and their characters. They'd come back. They had all these magic items. You could tell they'd been running really easy little one-on-one -on -one sessions for each other to get to get uh, get some great magic items. Um, I, don't, I know I've mentioned this before, but my little brother—he was a year younger than me. And, you know, he came back 
he came back from playing with another friend of ours, a guy named Scott, and he had somehow had like a plus four sort of sharpness. Um, and so we, we went off on him a little bit, not too bad, but, and, uh, he started crying. He was like nine. I was like 10. I may have been a little older by that time than him, but he's still a year younger than me. So like 11 and 10, he started crying about it, saying that we were giving him a hard time and started calling for my friend's grandma, Mima, you know, and so then later we said that he had the spell summon Mima. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> he called for Mima when he when we were dogging him for the uh, for giving himself the sword of sharpness. So the plus four sword of sharpness. Couldn't he, you know, it would have been one thing maybe if he give himself the plus one, you know? Or a plus two maybe. But walking in there with the plus four, it's like, hey, everybody, I just happened to find this, you know. But I have great memories playing, staying up all night. One night, I remember distinctly listening to Jesus and Mary Chain's excellent Psycho Candy album, playing that thing over and over, wearing it out. Had the tape. Play it until the tape flip, you know, ended. Flip the tape, play it all the way back, all night, playing. So those were like the main three. And then I also bought myself the next one from that era, from the early era, with some allowance money or something else. I also had like Walden Books or one of B. Dalton Bookstore, I think was the bookstore we had, Montgomery, Alabama in the mall, B. Dalton Bookstore, and bought uh, Warhammer Fantasy first edition. Now that, that's a game right there. That is a game. And I just poured over the careers, fascinated by the careers, by the, you know, by the different, um, you know, little level ups and career exits and the way they all tied together. That is just a great book to, to a great game, but also just really fun reading with that one. The spells, everything about that one is great. That is, for a game that is as popular as it is, it's still somehow underrated. There are so many games that I wish, that's what, you know, when I see people post things um, about different games on the, in their DNA, I get jealous because I didn't have those when I was younger. Like, I would have loved Call of Cthulhu or Chill or something when I was really young. Like, that would have been my favorite. Those would have been things that I, I would have, uh, just eaten alive. And I really wish that I had had the, uh, the solo game books and stuff back then. Um, I just had like the choose your own adventure books. Didn't have the solo game books. So, but I made for it all, made up all, all you know, made up for it later as I got older and got kind of back into the hobby. But those, those four of my DNA, I'd have to say judge dread, 1E, AD&D, Marvel Superheroes. Didn't talk too much about that one. I've told a story about my my superhero character, Top Hat. Just kind of like a James Bond sort of character. He was kind of suave like James Bond, but he could throw the hat like Oddjob. 
and had like a cane that could do some stuff. He was kind of a gadget superhero. He was not inherently like a mutant or anything like that. He was more of a, you know, technology sort of superhero. That's still a great game. So I guess it could have been worse. Um, and then finally, like I mentioned, Warhammer Fantasy. So anyway, what's your RPG DNA? If you want to call in and let me know four games that you found formative, that were the original four for you, don't just pick out stuff you love now. Pick out the four that were the ones that, uh, that made you. Let me know. You can call in anchor.fm forward slash thought eater. Anchor.fm forward slash thought eater. Outro. All righty. That is the show for this week. Hopefully the sound was okay. Hopefully the delivery was okay. It was just a tough week to... I was just really busy. What can I say? Still... Even being busy, I at least managed to find some cool stuff to share with y'all. So I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you enjoyed the effort. If you want to support the program, if you're listening week after week and you're digging it and you're finding cool stuff that you're finding yourself using or finding a new blog to follow or downloading something cool for free or whatever, you're laughing at my inept attempts to, to record this thing, Support the program. Go to patreon.com forward slash thought eater. You can support the program for as little as a dollar a month. So come on. That's $12 a year for the thought eater podcast. Come on. Patreon.com forward slash thought eater. The delivery is not great, but it's a dollar a month. Great. Come on. I've got some funny memes over at the outro tab. Remember, all the stuff that I talked about today is over at the Thought Eater blog. If you want to leave a message about your RPG DNA or any other topics, go to anchor.fm forward slash Thought Eater. There's a little button there. You can do it on mobile or on your, on your laptop or on your desktop. Anchor.fm forward slash Thought Eater. Click there and leave a message. And I want to thank Safino, BJ... Um, free thrall, Mr. Yoder, Jason for calling in on the show. Appreciate y'all listening. Thanks for the birthday wishes and, uh, y'all make the show better when you call in. So call in anytime y'all call in anytime. Uh, next you'll hear from me as a five minute Friday, but I'm busy. I got tons of stuff going on right now. Really prepping for this new position. I'm excited about it. It would be our, our fiscal year flips on July 1st. So it, it would be right. And I'm taking a vacation at the end of May. And that's a whole thing. God, that could be a whole conversation. I'm trying to get in on an airplane and go places right now. We're having to get, you know, COVID tests. My wife and I are fully vaccinated. Kid, she ain't going to be vaccinated. She's nine. I'm not, not really that worried about her. And I don't, I don't want, you know, you can't even get a vaccine unless you're 16 or above, I believe is the cutoff anyway. So no option on that for her, but not really worried about it. 
her school, they've been in school the entire time and they haven't had any cases, not a one, but it's a smaller, she goes to a little small Montessori school, but still no cases all year. They, that's been a blessing to have her in school, but that's a whole nother discussion. But, but anyway, we, we have to get COVID tests and my, the insurance that I have through my employer They'll give you free COVID tests, but, but not in Athens. I have to go like to Atlanta to get them. And then to get my daughter's COVID test is a whole completely different thing. Like I can drive through and they jab, swab up my nose, but for her, I'd have to schedule it. And I can't guarantee that I could get her done on the same day. For my wife, hers is going to cost almost $200 for the freaking COVID test. So... And then for us, since I can't make that work, you have to get the test and you have to get the results back and upload it onto the site within 72 hours of getting on the plane. But you don't know when they're going to be able to get you the test results back. They say it could be 48 hours. So basically you end up with only really one day leeway to go get the test to make sure you have the results back in time to upload it and all this stuff. And because of the scheduling, I might have to just pay for me and her as well. And so before we even set foot on the plane, I might be spending like, you know, $500 on COVID tests. So, but I mean, there are a lot of worse things going on in the world. I get that. Not trying to sound too whiny or whatever, but it's just a real, it's a joke. I mean, they should just have a show or vaccination cards or something like that. But having to do $500 worth of COVID tests right before you leave, it just doesn't really set the vacation off on a happy note. You know what I mean? <sighs> anyway, I'll talk to y'all Friday. Appreciate y'all listening. Let's go, Logan. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade Zeroing in on your mental trade Gonna help you escape from the grind Thought eater gonna blow your mind